Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 2 is where we want to start today. And we want to talk about what a great salvation we have. Oh, the salvation we were singing about today, the, how beautiful the blood flowed. We were singing today about how holy our lamb who was slain. Hebrews chapter 2 says in verse 1, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. For the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His will. This great salvation under the Old Testament, you know, the, 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 the uh, law that was given to Moses, the, the instructions of God that was delivered uh, through the angels, there. They, they received salvation. They received a keeping power by acting upon those words. And, uh, and uh, when they disobe- diso- the disobedience to those things opened up for their destruction. But it says, we have received a great salvation, greater than the law that was given to Moses, greater than the instructions from God that came through the vehicles of angels. We have received a great salvation that came through Jesus Christ. And it says that we need to give more earnest heed. Give more earnest heed to this great salvation so that we don't let it slip. Amen? This earnest heed is something that uh, means attention. That we give our attention to it. That we, we don't look and say, oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, yeah, it's Easter. And so we're, she's going to teach an Easter message because, you know, we're one week away from Resurrection Sunday. And so, yeah, no, we're looking at what was accomplished in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus because this is our great salvation. This is the details, the elements, the the specifics of who we are and the greater faith we have in his resurrection, the more we will benefit in our daily walk as we walk free from the curse, free from anything the enemy tries to bring against us because we recognize I am crucified together with Christ. That the enemy wants to pull out the remote control that used to work on you. And he pulls out that remote control and he says, I know how to push his buttons. I know how to make her sweat. I know how to get them aggravated. And he's pushing the buttons. And if we are walking in just our own power... If we're living our daily life just in our own ability, then those buttons are going to get a response out of us. We're going to respond the way we used to respond. We're going to act the way that we used to act. We're going to revert back to the natural way of dealing with our situation. But when we have taken the time and the effort to build our faith in who we are in Christ, 
that I am not what I was before Christ. I am not who I was before Christ. I'm not the same woman who did the things Michelle before Christ did. I'm not that same person. That, that what happens is the devil's remote control no longer works. He's pointing it and he's pressing buttons and no response from me. No response from me because I have been reprogrammed. Because now I'm living out of the new creature I am in Christ. And I'm realizing that the old Michelle is dead. Why? Because I was crucified together with Christ. Galatians 2.20 is alive. It is real to me. I'm not that woman. I'm not that person. That person died on the cross with Jesus. I have faith. In the fact that I was together with Christ crucified. He did it for me. He did it in my place, in my stead. The Lamb of God in my place so much that I was there with him. That's what Galatians 2 is telling us. I believe this so completely that when he hung on the cross I was there with him that means the old Michelle the prostitute the drug addict Michelle she has died on the cross with Jesus and I've been in the tomb buried buried with him Romans 6 says not he was buried and I was somewhere else it says we are buried together with him in baptism so in the baptism waters my faith was released so completely that when I went down I went down and was buried with Christ in the tomb have you been in the tomb I've, I've been crucified with him. I've been buried with him. Now that I've been buried with him, when I came up from the water, I came up in the resurrection power. I came up in the newness of life, it says in Romans chapter 6. Because I've been buried together with him in the water, I come up in the resurrection power. Not the power I lived in before Christ, not the power of the, the, the limited human ability that I operated in before Christ, but I come up in the newness of life. That's why we need to give more attention. That's why we've got to have certain things settled in our lives. We've got to have certain things settled. We've got to have it settled that Jesus was born of a virgin. That is not something that is up for controversy in our lives. That is not up for controversy. Well, maybe she was, you know, just a young girl. No, she was a virgin. Jesus, when he was conceived, he was conceived by the word of God becoming flesh. There was no human man connected with Jesus' conception. God's word was the seed, and God's word was received into the womb of Mary. And why is that important? Why is that something we've got to be, not just head knowledge, we've got to be strong in faith concerning. We've got to let the word bring faith to us that the word became flesh. Jesus was born of a virgin. A woman who had never been with a man became pregnant by the word of God. Why is that so important? Because Jesus' blood is not connected to Adam's blood. Anybody else, anybody born of a man and woman coming together and conceiving a child they are connected. We, can, we, can, we just know that you can do the test and find out who's the baby's daddy. Right? God is Jesus' father. There was no connection to Adam's lineage. And that means the blood in Jesus was different than the blood of every other human being walking on the planet. Because the blood of Jesus 
was not sin tainted. It was not sin contaminated. It was righteous blood. It was innocent blood. It was God's blood in Jesus' body. And that's why his blood cleanses us. So do you see why our faith in, in certain dynamics of our salvation, that's why we've got to give heed to these things. We've got to give our attention to these things. And, we, and we're talking about spiritual attention because head knowledge, we want to renew our mind with it, but we want to have a fullness of faith where these things are concerned. Amen? And faith only comes by the word. So when we look at the, the salvation that is ours through what Jesus did, there are seasons that we've got to go back to something we've learned before because we're not just trying to gain head information. We're not just trying to get, get natural knowledge. We're, we're coming back to things each year and repeating these things in our studies and in our, our personal studies. That's why we make available uh, a, a repertoire of the teaching library of Pastor Steele and myself so that we, there are things that you might want to go back and you say, you know what, I haven't been strong in my faith concerning the name of Jesus. So I'm going to get a CD series about the name of Jesus. I'm going to pull it up on the podcast and I'm going to listen to that again because I need to grow in my faith concerning the name. Pastor did like 21 weeks on exercising our authority. I'm going to pull that exercising my authority out and I'm going to strengthen myself in that because it's not just the knowing it in our mind that's going to help us it's having a strong faith concerning that truth that helps us to bring the results of that faith, the fruits of that into our life. And when we're looking at the resurrection of our Lord and, Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we've got to uh, recognize how that connects with us. As I said, we're buried together with him in baptism and we are raised resurrected with him in the newness of life. So my freedom from spiritual death is connected to my faith in him raising from the dead. Because Jesus raised from the dead, I'm no longer spiritually dead. I've been raised together with Christ into the newness of life. And so that's why we want to give our attention and go back. Let's go at this point to Romans chapter 5. And, and let's, let's look a little bit closer at the details that will benefit us and help us walk in victory. Romans chapter 5, let's begin in verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man... Sin entered into the world and death by sin. Sin entered into the world and death followed it. Death was not in God's original plan. Death was not God's original design. It entered in through sin and with sin... And it is a violation of God's will. It is against what he wants for us. But where most people miss this is they think physical death. And physical death is, is a byproduct of the real death, which is spiritual death. So let's go back and look at Genesis chapter 2 when sin entered and let's investigate a little closer this death that came when sin came. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, 
of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it thereof, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. The original word for death is plural. In the original language, the Hebrew language, the word is plural. So the center column reference of my Bible says, In dying, you shall die. Adam did not die physically the moment he ate the fruit of the tree. He was 900 and some odd years old. I think it was 920 years old before he physically died. But Adam died spiritually the moment he ate the fruit of the tree. He, he knew fear he'd never known before. He knew shame he'd never known before. He, he experienced spiritual death. And years later, because God had created the physical body to live forever, it took 920 years for death to kill the physical body. But he died spiritually in the moment, in the instant, in that eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the sinning against the word of God, he died the more destructive death. Now, let's define death. Because most people would define death as to cease living. And in the mind, in the natural mind, we think stop, cease, cessation of life. Life has stopped. But that's not the definition because everybody will live forever. Everybody will live forever somewhere. Everybody. Those of us who choose Jesus and his salvation... We will live forever connected to God in his presence, in his will. But everyone who refuses the salvation available in Jesus, they will live forever too in spiritual death. Disconnected. So the the definition of spiritual death is to be disconnected from the life of God. So life is real life is not just physical life because there are a lot of people who are physically alive, but Ephesians 2 says they are dead in trespasses and sin. We were all at one point physically alive before Christ, but we weren't alive unto God. We were dead in trespasses and sin. Look at at Ephesians 2. Let me show you so you can see it. So the death, we've got to renew our mind here concerning what, what does it mean when it says, by one man's sin, death entered. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you has he quickened, brought to life, made alive, who were dead. You were dead. Well, it was not talking about physical death. We were physically alive, but we weren't spiritually alive until we accepted Jesus as Lord. We were dead with spiritual death, disconnected from the life of God in our spirit until we accepted Jesus as Lord. And what happened? We were born again. You must be born again, Jesus said. And that being born again means to be born of above, born of God. It says, you are of God, little children, 1 John 4, 4. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. But you are born of God, of God. How did that happen? I accepted Jesus as Lord and new life came into my spirit where I had once been spiritually 
dead. Hallelujah. What happened to Adam? Adam was alive unto God, but he sinned, and when he sinned, he died. Disconnected from the life of God, spiritual death entered into his heart, and that spiritual death over the the course of 920 some odd years eventually caused his physical death. And every person born off that assembly line, every person born from Adam's lineage was born in sin and shapen in iniquity, it says. Born in that condition, the same condition Adam was in because of his his sin entering and spiritual death entering. Now that's all he has to pass on. And so every person born on the planet was born disconnected from the life of God. And God, who is so merciful, so merciful, said, we do not want Adam or any of his children to eat of the the tree of life in this condition. So we've got to remove them from the garden and close the way to the tree of life. Because if they eat the, the tree... Of life in this condition, they will live forever like they are right now. I've got to redeem them first. I've got to fix this problem first. So he removed them from the garden. He shut the way to the tree of life, put the cherubim around it, closed it up, and began a process of Redemption, salvation, to buy back what Adam had sold out, what Adam had delivered over through his disobedience to Satan's control and to the control of the curse and spiritual death. Jesus came into the earth and purchased us out of that condition. For him to save us, it required more than just forgiving our sins. Because if he just forgave us our sins and left us like that, then he would just be constantly having to forgive our sins because we're still there. But he didn't just forgive our sins. On the cross, he did supply that part of our redemption. But we needed more than just that part. We needed to be made new. We needed access to be born again. We needed to be brought out of spiritual death and resurrected back into spiritual life. And to do that, Jesus, not just on the cross, suffered for our sins, but he died. He died. He died not just physically. If Jesus just died physically, we're still in in a mess. If his death was only a physical death, then who's going to deal with the spiritual death problem that mankind has? So he didn't just die physically. Before he physically died, what happened to him? He spiritually became sin. By faith. Jesus used his faith. He never sinned. He never committed a sin. How did he become sin? He received it by faith. Hallelujah. So you and I who've never committed a righteous act. Can by faith receive the righteousness. That Jesus has made us. How did he make us righteous? He became our sin. He received into his spirit our sin. And when he received 
sin to the point that he became sin, he cried out, My Father, my God, why have you forsaken me? He'd never been separated from God in his existence. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word became flesh. And in that moment, when he became sin, he was separated from God. And it was such a shock that even though he knew it was coming, I believe it was what caused the travail in the garden that he travailed until his drops of sweat were mingled with blood. I believe it was him knowing I will be separated from God. I'm not only going to die physically, I'm going to die spiritually. I'm going to be separated from my father. In that moment, it was such a shock to him. He cried out, why have you forsaken me? That feeling of being separated from God. That realization that, that the life of God is not in me. I'm, I'm disconnected from the life of God. But by faith, he knew that he would be raised. He knew that God would not leave him in that spiritually dead condition. Just like God didn't leave us in that spiritually dead condition. He didn't leave us spiritually disconnected from him, separated from his life. He brought the necessary payment and the necessary sacrifice into this world. Jesus walked on this earth, never sinned. He was tempted in all ways, just like we are tempted. And he overcame every temptation so that he could qualify as our legal redeemer, as our sacrificial lamb. And Jesus on the cross, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement, the punishment necessary to obtain our peace with God. The chastisement, the punishment necessary to bring us back into a relationship with God. He satisfied it. He suffered it. He took it. Spiritual death, disconnected from the Father so that we could be connected to God, so that we could have our relationship with God restored. Hallelujah. He died physically after he died spiritually. And he went into hell. And he suffered the necessary punishment Having already declared in advance, God will not suffer his Holy One to see corruption in hell. He won't leave me here. He's not going to abandon me. He trusted that God would raise him from that condition of spiritual death, from that condition of physical death, and that he would raise him That's our life. This faith in what God did for Jesus. Isn't it how Romans says in Romans chapter 10, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that... What do you believe in your heart? Back up to verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart. Kathleen, do you remember all those weeks that we used to go to KMAT? There was a drug rehab center down in Kansas City, Kansas. And Kathleen and I would get done with worship here. And we would load up in 
in our van and we would go down and we would preach at this drug rehab center. And it was one of the first places I had ever really given an altar call. And so that first altar call, I was so excited. I'm like, whoa, Kathleen, did you see all those people coming up for the altar call? And then we went back the next week and those same people came back. And they all responded to the altar call again. And about three or four weeks into this, I'm, in, I'm going to the Lord. I'm like, Lord. Now, when I got saved, I got saved in a church. And so I was in, there was, they were in revival. And so I got saved. And then I was there under the word learning about who I am and who, who, who he is in me. But these people... I'm getting up and I'm giving an altar call. If you want Jesus to save you from your sin and you want him to help you, come up here and give your life to him. And every week they're coming. Every week they're coming and they're, they're praying the same prayer. And so I'm seeking the Lord. I'm like, Lord, this is four weeks and the very same people every week have responded with the same tears and the same sincerity. They're sincere, but they've gone for a month not walking in anything that's theirs. From the first time they prayed and the Lord said, it's your fault. I'm like, what do you mean it's my fault? He said, look at the way you're having them, look at your altar call. And that's what my altar call was. If you want God to forgive you of your sin, if you want him to help you with what you're going through, come. And he took me to that scripture. He said, they don't believe they've been raised up. What they believe is that God will forgive them, but they, they, they haven't changed any of their activities, haven't changed their attitude, haven't changed their perception. They still see themselves in the same place because they still see themselves as sinners, as drug addicts. And as long as they see themselves that way, they're going to act that way. And so he said, you've got to, you've got to help them believe that they've been raised from the dead. If you believe in your heart, now why do I believe in my heart? Why is that important? I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's my raising. That's how I get raised. If he's not raised from the dead, what hope do I have? Right? If he's not raised from the dead, there's no supernatural power for me to come out of spiritual death and into spiritual life. So this is a key part of who we are in Christ. We are dead to sin, and we have been raised in the newness of life. The life that I live now, that's why he goes on in Galatians 2 to say, it is not I who live. If I'm still trying to live with the old Michelle who was controlled by the remote that the enemy pushed my buttons with, then I'm going to keep behaving the way I behaved and acting the way I acted and living the way I lived and, and, and needing God and wanting God and the whole time having his salvation available. What's got to happen? I've got to, I've got to, the life that I now live, it's not I that live. Put that up on the screen for you if you would. Galatians 2.20. It is not I that live. Why? The Michelle before Christ died. I, I'm alive now, but it's because the resurrection power that God used when he raised Jesus from the dead, that's now the power that's living in me. And because the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I live Faith that he died for me. Faith that he suffered the penalty for all of my sin. Faith that his blood cleansed me and makes me righteous and holy and sanctified and set apart. 
faith that he is still abiding in me and I'm abiding in him and any help that I need to overcome, I've got it available. I don't have to wait. I'm not on the main line holding on till the going on comes on. I am alive in Christ and he is alive in me and I am overcoming because his power in me helps me say no to that behavior, helps me say no to that old way of thinking, helps me say no to that fear, helps me say no to to that criticism helps me say no to that sickness I have the authority in his name to live the life that he fought for me the life that I now live is a resurrection life because I believe God raised him from the dead and when he raised him he raised me I believe I was on the cross. I believe I was in the tomb. And I believe when Jesus raised, I raised with him. And I am alive today with the life of God. Hallelujah. That's why we sing about his sacrifice. That's why we celebrate his power to raise Jesus from the dead. Because that's the power that raised us. It's his power alive in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We died with him and we raised with him. Glory to God. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5. If I let you out right now, you all think, what are we going to do with the rest of our day? We're good. Romans chapter 5. You know... When Pastor and I, especially when we have times that it takes us a little while to get here, we enjoy every minute of being in your presence. Especially because we don't get to, when, when I haven't got to see you in two weeks, I'm not in a hurry to get you out the door. I will be respectful of your food that's in the stove or, or the fact that you're hungry. But I love you. And I want to have the time in his presence together as much as we can. So Romans 5 again, it says in verse 12, As by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned... From Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that is to come, or that was to come. And we, we talked about that. Every person born off the assembly line of Adam was in that same condition. And death, notice this phrase that it uses, death reigned. The Weiss translation, I believe, uh, uses the phrase seized the sovereignty. So death was ruling, reigning, sovereign. That spiritual death, that's how the enemy controlled people, was through that spiritual death. That, that's how the remote works. You see? That's how the remote works. Because they were spiritually dead, that's what the remote was connected to. That's how he was able to push their buttons and... And because of that, when, when mankind died spiritually, they fell from the place where they were alive unto God, could fellowship with God at that intimacy. And they did not know God, understanding Him. And so they began to build groves and worship the sun and worship the trees and worship the, the river Nile, and they worshiped all these things trying to explain God because they fell from the place where they could understand. But everything that mankind fell from in Adam, we have attained a greater in Christ. In Christ, we have access to the knowledge of God. In Christ, we have available to us the wisdom of God. We have the eternal life. We have the intimacy with God so that we can commune with him. He lives in us. We live in him. Amen? So when verse 15 in the King James says, not as the offense, so also is the free gift, we need a little bit of help with some King James right here. 
because it doesn't really give us the full impact of what this verse is saying. I'm going to ask for it in the Amplified. It says in verse 15, God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. In other words, you can't, it's what happened in Adam is so down here. And what happened to us in Christ is off the chart. It's so, it is so above. It is so beyond. It is so extreme in the goodness of God in comparison to what Satan did in Adam. That, that, that you can't even fit it on the same chart. It is out of all proportion. It's not, it's not like, well, apples to apples. No, 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 no. What God did for us in Christ, we're going to take eternity just to see his goodness. It says throughout eternity, he is going to be displaying. He is going to be demonstrating. He is going to be putting on, uh, on the stage all of the goodness of God, all of the kindness of God, his inheritance for us that's ours in Christ. <laughs> it's not even on the same chart. His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. For if many died through one man's falling away, his lapse, his offense, much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow to and for the benefit of many. That's you. That's me. The undeserved favor of Jesus Christ abounds to, overflows to, and for the benefit, put your name there, the benefit of Michelle, the benefit of Marie, the benefit of Jeremy, the benefit, this is for my benefit, his, his favor is abounding and overflowing for my benefit. Hallelujah. The New Living Translation says, there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, spiritual death. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, Jesus Christ. This grace and this forgiveness legally transfers us out of the dominion of death. We are, remember it said death reigned. But it says we've been translated out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of the Son of God's love. What God did in Christ is a legal transfer. Death has no power over us. Spiritual death has no power over us. We are alive. And the more we believe this, we say, oh, well, that sounds nice. And, and, and we put off to the future how that's going to benefit us. We need to know this now. Because when the curse comes knocking at the door and says, you're not going to have enough. No, 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 wait a minute. I have authority over that. That doesn't have authority over me. That curse doesn't have any... Poverty doesn't have any authority in my life. Sickness doesn't have any authority in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That understanding of, of the, the legal transfer. I am no longer under the dominion of death. Hallelujah. I've got to have faith for that to work. Verse 16. The Amplified says, nor is the free gift at all to be, to be compared to the effect of that one man's sin. For the sentence following the trespass of one man brought condemnation, whereas the free gift following many transgressions brings justification. The New Living says, God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we were guilty of many sins. Hallelujah. 
We have a complete transfer of the kingdom that governs what happens in our life. What happens, I, I, it, we, are, we, we, we would understand it like this. If a, an ambassador of the United States is in a foreign country, that ambassador is given a, a place that is considered U.S. soil. And if anybody comes to the U.S. embassy, even in another country, they are, they are within the government of the U.S. while they're in that embassy. They are governed by the rules and the laws of the United States government in that embassy. Your life is now the embassy of God. What happens in your life, even though you are here in the world, even though the world is all around you, on you, wherever your foot touches, wherever you are walking, you might be in the mall, but listen, as long as my foot's touching this mall floor, we're under the kingdom of the son of God's love, and God's love is governing me, and death doesn't have any dominion over me. Sin doesn't have any dominion over me. Hallelujah. When, when, hallelujah. One man of God got such a revelation of this. During the bubonic plague, he was ministering as a pastor, at helping these families who were dying of the bubonic plague. And he would care for them. He would bury the bodies of those who had passed. He would care for those who were still dealing with it and never got sick. And they finally came to him and said, what is it that is causing you? What is it about your bloodstream or your immune system that is making you immune to the bubonic plague? And he said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. If you put the bubonic plague and they took some cough, uh, uh, some spit from a person who had just passed and they had pulled, it had blood in the spit, put it on his hand, put his hand under the microscope and when the germ of the bubonic plague touched his skin, I'm talking about the embassy of God, you are governed by the laws of the life in Christ Jesus. When it touched his skin, the sickness died and the life prevailed. It was his faith in the law of the spirit of life. It's our faith in the fact that we've been raised out of spiritual death. Let me close with this. Hebrews chapter 2. Jesus became flesh so that he could legally redeem us. He had to take on a physical body so that he could taste death for every man. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of flesh and blood. He became a man. He said in the moments before he entered the womb of Mary, he said to his father, it says this in Hebrews chapter 10, he said before he entered the world, a body you have prepared me. We have the words of Jesus before he entered the womb of Mary. He said, a body you have prepared me. I come to do your will, O God. To take this body so that it can be a sacrifice to redeem man from spiritual death. It says he himself took part of the same. Willingly he became a man. 
It, it wasn't something beneath him. It wasn't something that he considered to be a, a, a degrading thing. It behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. He embraced it. He wanted to be your redeemer. He wanted to be your sacrifice. He wanted to be the one to reconnect you to an intimate relationship with God. It says he himself took part of the same flesh and blood so that through death, he might destroy him. That past tense had. Doesn't say has. It's past tense. He destroyed the one who was working the remote control of spiritual death, causing people torment and lives of misery. Jesus destroyed the one who had the power of death. That is the devil. And to deliver us who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage, slaves to constant dread, the living Bible says. We are so strong in faith concerning the power of Jesus' resurrection that's working in us. That we don't fear death. For me to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? I don't fear death. How does that happen? Faith in the power. So the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, prayed for the church at Ephesus, a prayer that is relevant to our lives. That you might be filled with the knowledge, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of him so that you can know some things that you can't know any other way except through the wisdom and understanding so that you can know what is the hope of his calling. So you can know what is, is the, the greatness of his inheritance. So that you can know what is the greatness of his power towards us who believe. The exceeding abundant greatness of his power through us, to us who believe. The same power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Is at work in the believer. Amen. The same power that's a, that he worked in Christ. That, that wasn't a one time Never to be accessed power. Like, whoa, that was the power now. No, he said, it's in you who believe. It's in you. Faith activates that resurrection power. Amen. And he said, he wants you to know it. He wants you to be intimately acquainted with this power that he used when he raised Christ from the dead. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, <laughs> he lives in us. Yes. He lives in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you come? Can we, just, can we just worship the Lord for this power that has raised us? Can we just worship him that we are no longer in sin? We are no longer spiritually dead, but we are alive unto God. We are connected to that power. Just lift your hands right now.